So Ayurveda means the knowledge of life. Veda is knowledge. Veda is knowledge. So you might have heard of the Vedas um, and the, the understanding that when we know ourselves, that's when we are able to be on the path of self-healing. And if we want to truly be able to tune in and, and start to do our own inner healing in all the layers of the body, right? When we want to do that, we have to first know ourselves inside out, backwards, tendencies, habits, uh, frequent thoughts, those frequent flyer thoughts that come in, um, our digestion, our hormone shifts, the moon cycling and how that impacts us, whether we're menstruating or not. Uh, so Ayurveda itself is deep, it, it's steeped in the science and, um, and, and beautiful, um, new fresh perspectives on looking at the human body and the human experience because this is again like we think of ayurveda often as how to be in our physical bodies well and healthy and ayurveda is is the the knowledge of all of life so it it's far beyond only us all right and according to ayurveda there are three pillars of health. So the, the three pillars of health, according to Ayurveda, the first one is food. <laughs> not surprising, not surprising that the first one is food. Food is our nourishment. Food is our nourishment. Um, and there is an Ayurvedic uh, proverb, and I'm going to jumble it a little bit here, that is something along the lines of medicine, will not be useful if our food is out of alignment. And if our food is in alignment, medicine won't be necessary. So that's a, that's a typical Ayurvedic framework of things. Now, um, that doesn't mean that Ayurveda is anti-medication in any way. And actually, one of the things that I love the most about Ayurveda is that it pulls in different traditions and different medical um, understandings and different frameworks for the human body and the human experience and doesn't um, doesn't make it like this is less than this is better than it doesn't categorize it in that way it views it all as information it's all grist for the mill it's all something to draw in and pull from so that you can find what works best for you. Okay. So food, such an incredible pillar. And, um, and, and the reason that this pillar is first is because in, in Ayurveda, it speaks to the other two pillars. So we first must look at and address the food thing. So no doubt, this is why. If you Google Ayurveda, the first thing you're going to see is find your dosha, here's your food list, stop eating peanuts or whatever, you know? Um, and, and that's because the food layer of the body and the nourishment and our digestive system, as well as our endocrine system and how we process food, have insulin in the body, um, 
all of that stuff uh, is key to the other two pillars. The second pillar is sleep. The second pillar is sleep. Sleep is where our body has time and space to regenerate. It is vital. It is absolutely vital. Um, remembering that Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga and, and to all yoga. Um, it, it complements all practices. There are some things that do negate one another um, or seem to contradict one another, and that's just yoga, right? Um, and I would say even more so in Kundalini because these three pillars are nearly instantly and sometimes subconsciously and automatically impacted by Kundalini yoga practice. Food, sleep. Right? So notice your patterns of sleep and where they might shift. The third is sex. The third pillar is sex. Now, you might be like, whoa, Jeannie, wait a second. In a lot of yoga, there is the monastic path. There is celibacy. There is brahmachari. Wait a second. How on earth is sex one of the three pillars of health according to Ayurveda? Now, this is where, this is one of the contexts where Ayurveda and yoga diverge a little bit. This is also one of the contexts where Ayurveda and Kundalini do not diverge because Kundalini is the yoga for householders and typically householders engage in some kind of intimate sexual activity in their lifetime, wherever you are with it now. Now, sex doesn't only mean sexual activity. It can mean creative fire and, and that, um, that just like deep vitality, that, that zest and passion for something. Right? So, so just honoring that there are many, many people who sex just isn't a thing for them. It's not on their list. That doesn't mean, oh, you're missing a pillar of health. It probably manifests and generates in a different way. And that might look like art. That might look like dance. That might look like other types of creation music. So when it's simplified, it's food, sleep, sex. And when we get deeper into that, right, it's that nourishment, restoration, and activation or vitality. You have to have these three things, according to Ayurveda, to live a whole life, a whole life. So I want you to just take a moment and, and if the scale was like one, ugh, what did I eat today? Mm, Twinkies and some coffee and peanut butter crackers. 
<laughs> Unless when you eat those things, you're like, yeah, I feel so good in my body. I'm just speaking personally, if I ate those three things, then I would be taking a nap for four hours and I would do nothing productive and my brain would be all foggy. So on a scale of one, maybe I didn't make the best food choices lately to like 10, knocking it out of the park. Like I, when I eat, I feel energized. When I don't eat, I'm not starving. I'm balanced in this way. I want you to rate these three pillars for yourself, right? Starting these routines where you just check in, like what if you woke up in the, in the morning and you're like, okay, last three days, I'm gonna just go down the checklist really quick. How am I with food? How am I with sleep? How am I with sexual vitality, sexual energy? And, and just rate it. And then it's like, all right, well, well then what? What am I gonna do about that? And, and very often the first thing that I hear from students and people that I work with is, well, I would love to eat better, I would love to sleep longer, and I would love more or better quality intimacy in my life, I, but I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time for that because there's all the doing. There's all the doing and the checklists and work and family and children and, 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 and. So I want you to think about, and you can like shorthand jot these questions down. Where can you simplify? Where can you simplify your life? And be real about it. Where can you simplify? Not, well, maybe this, but, and, uh, 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 uh. like get real. Where can you actually simplify and it can be it, it, like this doesn't have to be a spiritual thing it doesn't have to be like uh, a heavy topic um tiny little things that are actually the big things in the long run so nothing is like oh this is superficial but i'm gonna simplify by not tying my shoes and only buying slip-on shoes Anybody who has an infant understands this kind or had an infant understands this kind of simplification. It's like, you know what? I'm going to leave my purse locked in my car in the garage because I'm never going to forget it. Simplify. These are just for me. Okay. And you'll get to decide what is simplifying for you. What commitments right now do I have that are vital? What commitments are vital? Now, an example of this, and then this is vital to you. This doesn't have to make sense to anyone other than you. So what are vital commitments in your life? Okay. When are you saying yes when you want to say no? When are you saying yes when you want to say no? And we're not getting into the, oh, I say yes to the blah, 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 because if I don't, then I'm a terrible mother. Like just without the story around it, when do you say yes? When you want to say no, there is no judgment to just acknowledging those things. And then the last one is how could you commit 
to being creative this week? For the next week, how could you commit to being creative? 